This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. No Greg Kelly today. He'll be away Today, and it's yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. Now, if you don't happen to know me, the leader of the Guardian Angels, which I started in 1979 in the Bronx to make uh, streets and subways safe, we're now in 13 countries, 130 cities. I'm a talk show host of, uh, I would think, uh, pretty good renown, 35 years, and recently ran for mayor of the city of New York as a Republican and lost to... Uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And I'm itching for round two. You know, it's like uh, Ali and Frazier. We're going to go at it round two. But let's get on track today with all the news you need to know and my observations, which uh, sometimes are different than Greg Kelly. In many instances, we agree, but many other instances, we disagree. I listened yesterday as former Vice President Pence decided to toss in the towel and go, no mas, no mas, as he determined it was time to bow out of a Republican primary that seems to potentially be down to possibly four candidates uh, for the next debate. Let's listen to the former vice president as he acknowledged this was not his time to be making the run for the presidency. I was raised to believe that to whom much is given, much will be required. And with everything our country is facing, I just couldn't sit this one out. But the Bible tells us that there's a time for every purpose under heaven. And traveling across the country over the past six months, I came here to say it's become clear to me, this is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. And rightfully so. He was struggling in the polls. But he had this, uh, these words as he was going out of the door in the Republican uh, primary run. Now, I'm leaving this campaign, but let me promise you, I will never leave the fight for conservative values, and I will never stop fighting to elect principled Republican leaders to every office in the land. So help me, God. Now, for many of you listening to that, some of you are saying, good riddance. You think he's a traitor against uh, then-President Donald Trump. That's not what I'm here to talk about. And whether he uh, should have ever been in the campaign for the presidency. Normally, if you served as vice president, you're going to be running at some point for the presidency. The over-under point spread says you normally do that. Not always successfully, but it's generally understood. And we know in many, many ways why he was chosen to be the vice presidential candidate for Donald Trump. 
uh, you know, it got down to two choices. It was uh, Pence, who had run for Congress twice in Indiana, lost. The second time, gave up his job, put everything into it, still lost. Came back, took a licking, was still taken, won it the third time, went on to become governor, and then chosen by then Donald Trump to be his vice presidential candidate against Hillary Rodham Clinton. As uh, Trump said, he's like right out of central casting. He really was. And who was his competitor? Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie. Oh, my God. So, naturally, there was Chris Christie, once again forlorn. Passed over to be chief of staff. Shamu! Passed over to be attorney general. Shamu! And then the ultimate udiscraziata for Chris Christie passed over to be Donald Trump's vice president, only to be outdone by a guy who, really, in the United States, we didn't know all that well, Pence. I knew Pence as a talk radio show host. He was. In fact, he visited uh, many of us in our home station in New York City, WABC, and spent a lot of time talking about talk radio. I came to know him when he was interviewing me in the 90s because he was a talk radio show host in Indianapolis, Indiana, and a TV talk show host, and I was bringing the Guardian Angels to Indianapolis because they were having an uh, ongoing crime problem in its inner city. And, boy, I learned a lot about Mike Pence. In fact... His, uh, he was telling me his uh, grandfather was from Chicago. He was a bus driver. And that was at a time where Bernard McGurk was alive. And Bernard was talking with him about, yeah, yeah, my father was a bus driver too. And he was Roman Catholic and Irish, just like Bernard McGurk, who grew up in the projects of the South Bronx. We miss him dearly. Probably uh, when you combine uh, being a producer and a talk radio show host, the greatest of all time, died too early in life because of prostate cancer. But I remember watching the both of them regaling one another about Mike Pence's grandfather, Roman Catholic Irish, driving a bus in Chicago. And there was Bernard McGurk's father, who was driving a bus in the city of New York while he was growing up in the project. It was great. And they were talking shop, talk radio. We were talking about talk radio. He knows talk radio. But now that he's on the outside looking in, I want to call upon Mike Pence, not necessarily for his political prowess. I'm not here to lobby him uh, to support one candidate or another in the Republican primary. We need him on board because Jews are under attack. Israel is under attack. And I've been uh, in New York City at a, a lot of the rallies, what they call unity rallies for Israel, and quite frankly, there's no unity at all because the Jewish leaders don't invite Gentiles, especially evangelicals, especially evangelicals, who I have found to be the number one supporters of Israel, who go to Israel on a regular basis when their pastors urge them to collect whatever funds are necessary to go to the promised land, to the holy land, to learn Old Testament scripture first before they learn their New Testament, and to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. 
And boy, they support Israel, and they spend their money there. Now, how do I know that personally? Look, I'm not a holy roller. I'm not an evangelical. I'm not a charismatic. I'm an AMP Catholic. Ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, and then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. But after the second intifada was declared by Yasser Arafat, and many of these same Palestinians were picking up rocks and were burning buildings and attacking cars, and making Israel an untenable place to visit. Nobody was coming. Nobody. Tourism dried up. The attempt at the second intifada was to bleed Israel into poverty. I went over there to broadcast from the Sabaros, the uh, pizza parlor that was blown up by suicide bombers. I was there to ride the buses that were blown up by suicide bombers that had snuck in to Israel from the West Bank and had done this dastardly deed. And you say to yourself, where were the Jews? They weren't coming after the Second Intifada. I traveled all the way from the Golan Heights in the north to a lot on the Red Sea in the south. I went to Aqaba in Egypt right next door, and then right next door in Jordan. Actually saw former Prime Minister of uh, England there, Tony Blair, who had a house there. And you could see in the distance of the Red Sea, you could see Saudi Arabia, enemy of Jews, enemy of Israel. And I said to myself at that particular time, where are all the Jews? How come they're not here to help their fellow Jews, secular or religious? They were too afraid to go after the Second Intifada. You know the only people who... I saw out there when I went to Ramallah in the West Bank, when I went to Bethlehem in the West Bank, when I went to the tomb of Rachel in the West Bank, when I went to Hebron, the tomb of Abraham. I mean, that place, you could tell the Palestinians had no love for Jews. They were they were mad-dogging anybody who walked in there. And the only ones protecting anybody, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, visiting Hebron, was the Israeli Defense Forces. Talk about diversity, right? Talk about diversity. You saw black faces, you saw white faces, Ashkenazis from Europe, Sephardic from the Middle East, and yes, even even some of the Ethiopian Jews who had been rescued uh, by the Israelis years ago. And they were all there to protect the Jews because they they were angry Palestinians in Hebron who wanted to kill every Jew they could get their hands on. So if you've ever been there before, and I've been there three times, You say to yourself, who can Jews and Israel depend on in a time now where they had a pogrom committed against them? The beginning of October, I think it was October 7th, when the ruling government in Hamas, a place I had visited, my first visit in the 50th anniversary of Israel, when it was run by the Palestinian Authority of Yasser Arafat and there were no barricades, and not a place that anybody would really ever want to go. I got to tell you that the few hours that I was there. But when you consider what had taken place, a pogrom committed by the sitting government in Gaza, the largest terrorist group, Hamas, and then the declaration of war by Bibi Netanyahu in retaliation for what had been done to not just Israeli people, Americans, and recently I learned from the hostage photographs that were attempting to put back on all the poles in New York City that had been ripped down by supporters of 
Palestinians, both Jews and Gentiles doing that with the kafirs around their neck, the shmatas on their heads. There were even folks from Thailand who have been taken hostage and killed, who were working in the kibbutzes of southern Israel. And you say to yourself, ladies and gentlemen, the way that Mike Pence can be used is he is the conduit into the evangelical community. I am going to reach out to Mike Pence, and I am going to say to Mike, you are respected in the evangelical community. Uh, you truly have led an evangelical life, even though you converted when you went to college. You were a Roman Catholic by birth. I would like you to get together the evangelicals who could put a million boots on the ground in support of the state of Israel. This way, America and the world could see Jews and Christians, Jews and Gentiles together. Because right now, right now, the supporters of Israel are losing the war of optics and PR. That's a use for Mike Pence and very few others who would be able to do that. 1-800-848-9222. So Greg Kelly show. He'll be back, I think, on Wednesday. That's 1-800-848-9222. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greg Kelly away today. Yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, in uh, Take You the Rest of the Way on a new mission of mine to bring evangelicals out to support the state of Israel now that it's under attack again by its many enemies and Jews across the United States. Now, Jews have uh, had unity rallies. They can't even unify themselves on this issue here in this country. I see many who identify themselves um, with the Palestinian, uh, pro-Palestinian protesters, Jews for progress, Jews for peace, Jews for Palestinians, Jews, yes, even Jews for Hamas. And I'm saying, I, yesterday I was at a rally of mostly Orthodox Jews in Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn, huge Orthodox Jewish community. I said, how come, how come your leaders, uh, you're not reaching out to the evangelicals? They put a million boots on the ground in one week. Give them one week and they'll join you in solidarity. You know what they told me? They're going to try to convert us. Oh, I say, oh, you're fearful of becoming a Jew for Jesus. What? You think Hamas, the Sunni terrorists, you think Islamic Jihad, you think Fatah, you think the uh, the uh, Shia terrorist Hezbollah, you think ISIS and Al-Qaeda, uh, they're not going to convert you. They're going to kill you. You need support. But, oh, no, 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 well, well we have unity rallies without unifying Americans behind the state of Israel once again under attack. How many times has that taken place in our lifetime, especially if you're a baby boomer like me? And Jews who have to hide in cities where there are a sizable percentage of the population. In the city of New York, we have as many Jews as are combined in the city of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. And yet, advice was given to Jews this past Saturday their Sabbath for the observant, to stay out of the streets of Brooklyn because the Palestinian protesters, some of them, Jews themselves, 
were going to come rampaging through and that they should stay behind closed doors. And if you happen to be a Jew, don't go into Brooklyn this past Saturday. Don't, don't. I said to myself, I have never heard of anything like that before. Our elected officials, our police, telling Jews to stay off the street, to fear rabble-rousers. By the way, flying Palestinian flags, wearing the keffiyeh, which is like, it's almost become a, a fashionista statement on our campuses around America to be worn by everyone and show you're defiant. And some of these people I recognize because they've been involved in Black Lives Matter demonstrations, which now the acronym stands for Big Large Mansions, Antifa, other uh, other actions against the ruling uh, majority. Many of them transgenders, many of them gays and lesbians and bisexuals, and I noticed none of them flew their flags with the uh, Palestinian protesters because there is no tolerance in the Middle East and Persian Gulf for that lifestyle. There is an Israel, but not there. So I looked at all of this and I said, look, if Mike Pence can do one thing, one thing, is to use his cred, his contacts, in the vast evangelical community. You know, his first vote for president was for Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter is still alive, Plains, Georgia. He was the first evangelical president, even though he was a Democrat. And Jimmy Carter really did not at all like the state of Israel. In fact, aligned himself with the Palestinians, with Yasser Arafat, with the PLO, with movements that would have destroyed the state of Israel. Uh, he would attend rallies. He would attend gatherings. He would attend foreign conferences, especially when he was no longer president and he was no friend of Israel. That's an exception to the rule. I'm telling you, I've been with the evangelicals. I have seen their love for Israel. I have seen how they have spent money and gone to Israel after the second intifada. And I think it is incumbent. I know a lot of Jewish leaders listen to the Greg Kelly show all over the nation. It's time to put your hands out in solidarity because the Presbyterians won't join you. The Methodists won't join you. And the Episcopalians won't join you. Oh, no, the Lutherans won't join you. And the Roman Catholic Church won't join you. So it's time to reach out to the one group of people who can put more boots on the ground for Jews in Israel than anyone else, the evangelicals. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, has just given a fiery speech in which he has announced to the world that Hamas is Iran, this axis of evil, and he has said this is a fight for Western civilization as we know it. And if Hamas and Iran prevail against Israel, he said to the world body watching, they will come for you. They will come for you. I believe that. I believe that. If you've spent any time in the Persian Gulf or the Middle East, and I have, with both sides, uh, you get the strong feeling that it's not only the difference of religious worship, which we can trace back to um, the Reformation and Protestants killing uh, Catholics and millions being slaughtered over nonsense. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a way of life. A way of life. Their view of the way life should be is one of repression. Our view of the way of life is one of openness and expression, not repression. Later on in the next hour, we're going to talk about repression on the college campuses instead of what I always thought a college campus represented, which is expression of all different ideas without there being repression. Let's go to the phones. And first up, uh, to Mike in Oceanside, your turn to be heard here on the Greg Kelly Show, Mike. Hey, Curtis, how are you? It's good speaking to you, baby. It's been a while. My issue is this. Everybody's protesting. They're blocking the bridge in the city. I don't. I haven't seen one American flag. No, no, you haven't. Why because remember, uh, with the pro-Palestinian marches, if somebody, let's say somebody did bring an American flag and said, hey, I'm an American Palestinian, they would take that flag and burn it alongside the uh, Israeli flag because when you listen to their chants, they say the little Satan is Israel, the big Satan is America. Uh, so you got to understand, you can't pull out a gay flag, even though you might be gay, a transgender flag, an American flag, an Israeli flag, because you will be persona non grata. You might even catch a beatdown. Uh, you will be perceived part of the enemy. It's what BB just said. It is a war against Western civilization and Hamas. They are restrictive of their people. They are repressors, as is uh, Hezbollah of their people, Shias, Sunnis, and obviously the leaders of the pact, the Ayatollahs in Tehran and Iran. There is no expression. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Jacob, who's calling from Borough Park. Your turn to be heard here on the Greg Kelly Show, Jacob. Yeah, hi, Curtis. I don't know. I, I saw the streets were full this past Sabbath. All over Brooklyn, in uh, Borough Park, Flatbush, there were tons of uh, religious Jews walking around. I didn't see anybody hiding anywhere. Well, that was that part of Brooklyn, but what about along the line of march from Eastern Parkway down Flatbush Avenue? The police permitted them to take over and then occupy the Brooklyn Bridge, and they actually ended up working their way all the way up to a place called Union Square Park, which was famous over the decades where you could bring a soapbox and you could be heard. And I saw young men, young women, mostly white, with the kafirs, with the shmatas on their head, some of them self-identified Jews for Hamas, Jews for Palestinians, screaming out, Alu Akbar, and long live Hamas. Long live Hamas. Not long live Palestine, which... 
does not exist. Long live Palestinians who do exist. Long live Hamas. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joseph, who's calling from Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here on the Greg Kelly Show, Joe. Hey, Curtis, uh, you're wasting your time with um, uh, Mike Pence. He's considered a, a wet firecracker by the evangelicals. The guy you need to get in touch with is Pastor Rodney Brown from South Africa. He has his own television network across the world. He'll jump on your stuff and uh, open arms, accept you, and rally uh, Christians across the world. Pence is considered a Benedict Arnold for what he did uh, to um, Donald Trump. Pastor Rodney Brown. All right, look, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Rodney Brown. I regularly appeared years ago at Willow Creek outside of uh, Chicago, that mega church that was run by Pastor Bill Hybels. I know he got into trouble, some kind of sexual misconduct years later, but uh, I oftentimes spoke to the evangelicals there. I mean, it was like half the size of Madison Square Garden. Also appeared with Pat Robinson on the Christian Broadcast Network. I uh, disagreed with most of what he said, but I remember we were having a conversation about our beloved Brooklyn. A lot of people don't realize that Pat Robertson, when he was first starting out, lived in a brownstone in Bed-Stuy when it was predominantly all African-American. Oh, they, they don't remember that part of his life. Uh, but we did have a conversation about his uh, statement that the attack of 9-11 which he later apologized for, was God angry at uh, America because it had become a land like Sodom and Gomorrah. We couldn't have disagreed more on that. But that's what America is. You can agree to disagree. I could appear at Willow Creek, a huge evangelical congregation outside of Chicago, even though I'm not an evangelical, I could appear on the CBN Christian Broadcasting Network, even though I'm a Roman Catholic, and I says I said, an AMP Catholic, ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, you don't see me for a month of Sundays. And we could have a discussion about theological interpretations, whether politics should play any role uh, in religion and vice versa. All of those things are open. You used to go to a university campus and discuss those things openly, and you would have discussions. Now it's repression. There's not an encouragement of expression. But I, I am telling every Jew listening out there, if you think you could go it alone here in the United States, you got another thing company coming. The enemy has out-organized you. You've been asleep. Like America was asleep in the at the wheel in the... Uh, in the aftermath of the 9-11 attack, the second time the terrorists attacked us, remember, 1993. And they promised they would come again, and they did. And America was asleep at the wheel. Israel was asleep at the wheel when uh, Hamas, the ruling government of Gaza, the largest terrorist organization there, launched a pogrom throughout southern Israel, slaughtering Jews, slaughtering them, and others, Americans. And what I learned later was even folks from Thailand, and then took back hostages. So when we're asleep and we get too comfortable, and the enemy knows that, somewhere 
in Afghanistan, somewhere in Yemen, in some cave, some hovel that is primitive as it might have appeared to be in medieval times. Some guy named Ahmed with all the technological improvements of modern-day Western civilization is monitoring everything happening here in America and looks at a border that is wide open where President Joe Biden has been a papachulo to the illegal aliens and has encouraged them to come across the border illegally. Andale, andale. And they poured through massive numbers. And you can't tell me there aren't terrorists within those groups. There aren't terrorist cells in those groups especially if they're from al-Qaeda or ISIS that have vengeance in mind against America. All it takes is $18,000 to come in from the sub-Saharan desert countries of North Africa where there are active ISIS and al-Qaeda cells. We have special forces that are assigned in that area to root them out. In Mauritania, they're coming in where there's even slavery today of 10% of the population by the Arabs of of the black population, 10% slavery in Mauritania, active ISIS and al-Qaeda cells, Mali, which has undergone insurrection, Chad, the Sudan, they're coming here to America, 18000 bucks to get to Mexico City, work your way up to the border. Next thing you know, you cross the border, and the first piece, people to meet you and greet you is not ICE, Limigre, immigration and naturalization, it's Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities, which gets its money from the federal government, puts the illegal aliens on buses and asks them, where would you like to go? Where would you like to? Would you like to go to New York? Would you like to go to Chicago, Philadelphia? Would you like to go to Baltimore, Washington? Would you like to go to Denver? They even ask them where they want to go. And that's turned out to be a racket, Catholic Charities, a total racket. They're not spending money from the Roman Catholic Church. They're not spending money that are collected in the pews on Sunday, the contributions. They get federal tax dollars to do this. And an organization that was created in the aftermath of the attack of 9-11 ICE in 2003 to protect us from foreign attacks, by narco-terrorists, by sex traffickers, by drug dealers, by gang members, and by terrorist organizations, is not permitted to operate in cooperation with law enforcement or correctional agencies or district attorneys or prosecutors of the criminal justice system in all of these cities and states up north that consider themselves to be sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. How ridiculous is that? And if you happen to be Ahmed with your laptop computer and you see this, and you got more than enough young men bamboozled by the ideology of being a jihadist in which old-timers, old-time imams will then tell young men with, uh, with testosterone crashing through their cranium, you know, you can get on the Paradise Express. You can be zoomed to Allah's side. You can have sex with 72 virgins. Not here on earth. That is not permitted by our religion. The Quran does not permit that. But if you become a martyr, if you become a jihadist, if you die a gloriful death, that's what you get in paradise. 
You know, if I happen to be one of these young huckleberries going to mosque on Friday, the day of prayer, and some fiery imam says that, you know, it's your role to become a martyr. It's your role to become a jihadist. It's your role to get on the Paradise Express, zoom yourself up to Allah's side to have sex with 72 virgins. Wow, that's very appealing to a young man. How come these young men never turned to these old altacacas, these old imams, and said, Hey, imam, how come you never got on the Paradise Express? How come you never became a suicide bomber? How come you never became a martyr for the cause, right? What do you think? I'm a schmuck? I'm a putz? Oh, boy. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Dan in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Greg Kelly Show, Dan. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. you got these Jewish organizations in New York, the uh, Conference of Presidents. They're not organizing any demonstrations in a city of two million Jews. They're not doing anything. It's just like during the Holocaust, they were silent. They're silent now. I don't understand. you got guys like Jason Greenblatt, who's nothing but an Obama appointee, the head of uh, the Anti-Defamation League, who, who always call, call out right-wing racism, but never, never call out the Oh, yeah. Racism. And Dan, Dan let, me, let me tell you something. When we come back... I'm going to tell you why there's been no unity. I saw it firsthand at the unity rally outside the United Nations when Republicans were told, you need not join us on this stage. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now, let me tell you about the first uh, unity rally for Israel. It was outside of Dag Hamashal Plaza. Uh, almost all Jews, they filled up the plaza. But as I walked towards the stage, I noticed uh, that all the sponsoring agencies were Jewish organizations uh, that had a left-wing bent to them. None of them that were right-wing, none. So I went up to the organizers who know me well as the leader of the Guardian Angels and as uh, the guy who ran against Eric Adams for mayor as a Republican in loss, and I said, uh, I see you have all Democrats on the stage speaking. If this is a unity rally, how come you don't have any Republicans? I know you're not going to want me up there. You don't want to offend Eric Adams. I get it. Uh, have you invited any Republicans? No. What about Congressman Lee Zeldin, who served in the United States military, a proud Jew, a proud Zionist? Did you invite him? No. Did you invite Nicole Maliotakis, the sitting congresswoman? No. Did you invite any Republican to be up on the stage? No. Republicans need not apply. How is that a unity rally? What do you think? Every Jew is a Democrat? I realize the preponderance of Jews are. Nobody up on the stage who was a Republican, and none of them were invited. That's number one. Number two, no attempt to invite non-Jews, which would have been a tremendous save. Could you imagine on that stage, in one of those initial rallies, to unite behind Israel, you saw up there evangelicals who would have appeared, they weren't invited. Uh, Roman Catholic priests, uh, they wouldn't have shown up. Uh, Presbyterians, Methodists, nope, they wouldn't show up. Episcopalians, Lutherans, nope, they wouldn't show up. The evangelicals would have shown up. Hey, invite a few imams. Do you think uh, any of the imams who run mosques, whether she or Sunni, would have shown up? They might have, but then somebody else within their group would have issued a fatwa on their head, and that would have been it for them. So you can't call it a unity rally when you won't even invite Jews 
who are Republicans or conservatives to the rally. Whereas look at Israel as a perfect example, a divided country politically. And yet, in time of war, they have now a unity government. They put aside all their differences, trust me. The differences there are severe. In the three times I've been to Israel, the biggest beef that people have in Israel is not about Palestinians or about Syria nearby or even Iran. It's secular versus religious. They have a religious party, Shah. They had, at that time when I went, uh, Shinui, the secular party, and they were at each other's throats. But it's a, it's an active, politically engaged community. They have debates, they have arguments. The one thing I noticed in the 50th anniversary when I went all over Israel in 1998, spent a few hours in Gaza when it was not a barricaded uh, in area run by the Palestinian Authority of Yasser Arafat, that almost every Jew I saw then was strapped. They were carrying weapons and look, I don't carry weapons. I've been shot five times. Uh, I was offered an opportunity to have a carry permit in New York City. I said, no, because I run the Guardian Angels. We don't carry weapons. It took me 72 hours to get used to the fact that everybody in Israel was strapped. Grandmothers, grandfathers. There were waiters and waitresses. I'd go in, you know, to have a falafel, a shawarma, whatever they had, a baba ganoush. Strapped. Some of them with rifles, submachine guns, Uchis everywhere. Took me like 72 hours to realize they weren't going to start shooting one another. Like sometimes we do here in our country, the United States, when we have certain anger management issues. And trust me, Israeli men are not like Jewish men here in America. Oh, I'm nebishy. Oh, please, don't look at me the wrong way. No, in Israel, who are you looking at? Ah. But I noticed this time around, when the government, which it is, Hamas is the government of Gaza, including the number one terrorist organization there, uh, who also works side by side with Islamic Jihad and the remaining elements of Fatah. Uh, one thing they all agree on, they may hate one another, but they all want to destroy Israel and kill Jews. But one thing I depicted this time around when they invaded South Israel, when Hamas did, almost nobody was strapped at that rave concert. You know those young people were using Molly and Ecstasy just like they do here playing electronic dance music. Nobody was strapped. What the hell happened on the kibbutz? They all used to be strapped when I went there, and they were socialists when I visited them in uh, Israel. I think many of them still are. Nobody was strapped. In those towns and villages, nobody was strapped. What happened to every Jew of 22? Although there, it's rifles, it's Uzis, it's 44 Magnums, it's 38 Calibers. When you're under attack, when you're under siege, and everywhere you look, and Israel is like the size of New Jersey with pockets of Palestinians, right? Gaza is a pocket. West Bank is a pocket. You got to be armed. You got to protect yourself. Look at what just happened. They were asleep at the wheel. And you know how I know they were asleep at the wheel? Because we were asleep at the wheel, 9-11. They swore they'd get us after they missed knocking down the towers of the World Trade Center in 1993. Remember the blind-eyed, Santa Claus hat-wearing imam of hate, Sheikh Omar Abdel Haqqa. 
Rahman, who created the Muslim Brotherhood. Remember how he said, don't worry, we missed the first time. We'll come again and again and again and again. And Clinton was asleep, and then Bush 43 was asleep, and they clipped us in 9-11. And we said, never again. Really? Never again? They're already coming across the border, ready to hit us a third time. Wake up, America. Seal the border. And let ICE get those terrorists out of here. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Into our second hour of the Greg Kelly Show. He's away today. We'll be away tomorrow. Today, uh, I'm taking you towards 3 o'clock throughout the nation. For some of you just tuning in, you say, who's this guy? Well, it's Curtis Sliwa. Many of you already know me as leader of the Guardian Angels for 44 years fighting crime. Uh, both here in New York, around the country, and around the world. 13 countries, 130 cities. So that's my primary uh, sweet spot. But I've also run for mayor of the city of New York against Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. And the plan is have me run again. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, round two. But today we've discussed in that first hour how I have put out a call to evangelicals to join Jews in distress who are supporting Israel because there is there is a division in the Jewish community. I know many people say, oh, it's Soros-infused and people are being paid to do this. No, 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 no. Trust me. <laughs> I advise a lot of Republicans all over the country, and they say, yeah, well, we're going to get the Jews to vote Republican. I say, go ahead, knock yourself out. It ain't going to happen. It just ain't going to happen. Focus your attention on Latinos and Latinas. That's the next group. They can be free agents. They could go either way. Look, I was the first candidate ever in the city of New York running for mayor as a Republican to win the Asian vote because now Asians are free agents. And not just in the back pocket of Democrats. Jews, forget about it. They're going to vote Democrat. Yeah, you have a minority of Jews who vote Republican. But there's not a lot of tolerance for diversity of thought amongst some hardcore Democratic Jews. And let's start with that premise as we now talk about all the craziness occurring on college campuses throughout the United States on this issue and other issues of free speech. I happen to be one who can comment on this uh, in a different way than maybe Greg Kelly could or some of my my other fellow co-hosts and hostesses in this business of what they call the spoken word talk radio, which we so love, the most intimate form of communication that has ever been created, whether you would think it was Marconi with the creation of the radio or the Serbian Tesla. It doesn't matter. It's the most intimate form of communication. I am a high school dropout. I was kicked out of high school by the Jesuits who shined their boots on my backside in 1972 as the student government president of Brooklyn Prep, no longer in existence, and they kicked me to the curb and I never looked back. And uh, I learned a lot. There are consequences for your actions. Sometimes nowadays you do things uh, you deserve to be spun around and disciplined, and then all of a sudden you're the victim and not the person who needs to be disciplined. So I learned a lot back there at the age of 18. And I thank them for kicking me out because I was exposed to a whole different world. And then years later, imagine, the high school dropout 
Curtis Lewa invited into major United States campuses to lecture, to speak, to be cross-examined. In fact, when I was at that unity rally in Dag Hammarskjöld, which was not a unity rally of Jews because Republicans and conservatives were not invited to speak to the crowd, I met a guy who I used to do speeches for, Don Epstein of Greater Talent Network. He was the big marker, secular Jew. He shows up at the rally. All of a sudden, a half hour later, he's got an Israeli flag, right? right? You know, hey, Israel. Okay, I get it, Don. We're talking about the days when I used to be on the bench in the uh, heads versus feds debates, which were the most popular in the nation. In one corner, you had Dr. Timothy Leary, the guru of LSD. He was the heads. And the feds was G. Gordon Liddy of the plumbers, but who had been in an assistant U.S. attorney up in the mid-Hudson Valley who first busted Dr. Timothy Leary, and he was hardcore against drugs. And boy... They did documentaries about it. When G. Gordon Liddy, who went on to become a great talk show host, recently passed away, was not available, they substituted me. I go into the University of Maryland Fieldhouse, 4,000 people there in college, uh, college station point, whatever, outside of D.C., in the Beltway. And there were four people for me, everybody else were like there for Dr. Timothy Leary. They came with their Grateful Dead garb. I think even one time uh, it was uh, somebody affiliated with Al Gore because they, they, they talked about how they were big deadheads. And they were there to support him, not me. But they allowed me to speak. They didn't rip my posters down in the student lounge. I saw posters of Dr. Tim Le- the, Timothy Leary. They left them up. My posters up. There were posters up about all different kinds of activities by all different student groups, nobody was tearing off anybody's posters. Now, there's no open expression on the campus. There's regression. Right here in New York City, where posters have been put up on telephone poles, utility poles on walls, wherever they could be seen, the pictures of the over 280 hostages still held. All different kinds of people, men, women, children, In fact, not even all Israelis, Americans, people from Thailand, ripped down mostly by students, high school students and college students, some of them self-identified as Jews. And you scratch your head and say, leave the poster up. You want to put up a poster, Free Palestine? Put up a poster. That's what America is about. But, oh, my God, what's happening on the college campuses? Just yesterday, I was uh, outside of... uh, a college, Cooper Union, which is where Abraham Lincoln gave his speech, in the Lower East Side of uh, Manhattan, right before he became the Republican presidential candidate. There was no Republican Party. He helped start it, and it was against slavery. It's probably one of his more famous speeches, carried across the nation, propelled him into the presidency. Cooper Union was the site last week where Jew Jewish students were hiding in a library while other students supporting the Palestinian cause, including some identifying themselves as Jews for Hamas, were banging on the door, demanding to have access. And I guarantee you they were not there with hamantashen and a cup of coffee to sit down and discuss their differences. No, they were aggressively going to hurt those Jewish students who were in fear. 
And so I stood outside in the rain yesterday with another great talk show host, Sid Rosenberg. And we spoke up and we said, hey, we got to get we got to repost to this city. We cannot allow individuals who are promoting repression to crack down on free expression, which is what America is all about. And in that driving rain, people were coming up and they were taking the posters. And that's part of the process. You want to have a Palestinian rally? You have a Palestinian rally. It doesn't matter. Both sides need to be heard. But what's happening on college campuses is if you speak in defense of Israel, if you speak in defense of the United States on this issue, you immediately are ostracized. You're threatened. Cornell University, they had a big conference today because students are being threatened on campus possibly by other students or those who are off campus, their lives are being threatened. Columbia University today, which sits on a $10 billion endowment, which anybody contributing to Columbia University has got to really think twice, right? That's the place, remember, that it invited Ahmadinejad. His nickname was, I'm in the mood for jihad. Remember, he was president of Iran. Remember when he was going to the annual assembly of dictators, despots, and tyrants, the general assembly that meets uh, every uh, September in New York City and ties our city up with knots? Why don't they go to Geneva or Zurich or some other place? But anyway, he was here. Columbia invited him in, rolled out the red carpet. The students were applauding him like seals. And then they said, Ahmadinejad, how do you deal with gays and lesbians in Iran? He said, he looked at him, we don't have gays and lesbians in Iran. Not even one. Nope. How do you deal with Jews? There's got to be some Jew. No Jews either. And they paid him an honorarium to spew hatred. And you say to yourself, what has gone on with the college campuses? You want to hear from Ahmadinejad? Fine. You should have another speaker that you hear from to balance the discussion. But the there is an imbalance now. Columbia University today, Jewish students, Israeli students are appealing to the administration. We're under siege. We're under attack. We can't freely express ourselves. People are threatening us. They're having walkouts on college campuses. I don't care. Walk out. I mean, half the time you're not in school anyway. Is anybody going to miss you at Columbia University, Princeton University, some of the universities around the country? goes back to the 60s, right? You had the be-ins, you had the sit-ins, started in Berkeley, University of Wisconsin in Madison. They walked out of class. They had their teach-ins outside. People said, we need free expression. We need to be able to talk about the war in Vietnam, how we're opposed to it. Hey, that's what college campuses are about, freedom of expression. In fact, you may have graduated high school and they may not have had much discourse in high school. They may not have uh, sort of provided you with different points of view. But I thought the whole idea of going to college was you're going to be exposed to all different ideas. You do your studies. You get your degree or your graduate degree or you work towards your Ph.D. And now you're a more well-rounded person. Well, it's turned out, ladies and gentlemen, that they're trying to guide you in one direction. And if you're not with them, you're against them. And you got to say to yourself, why would you be contributing to universities that are repressing free speech and free thought? Why would you not be promoting free expression 
So I know the Greg Kelly show has a great appeal to a lot of men, a lot of women out there who graduated college. I did not. I'm a high school dropout. They value their alumni status. Every year they get the letters. The letters come in, please. We have an endowment fund. Oh, we're putting up a new, a new building and hey, we need millions. Make that trillions, whatever you, please, please. And then all of a sudden they're saying, you know, when you're dead, what do you mean when I'm dead? I got at least another 30 years to go. Well, you know, we want you to bequeath whatever money you have left over after they tax you from the cradle to the grave to the university that you love. You come out every, every, oh, spring break, you're there. You, you, you. Oh, oh, that's right. We didn't invite you this year because your political point of view is not politically correct. But we'll take your money. That they'll do. They'll take their money. And if you happen to be Jewish philanthropists and you're proud alumni of certain universities, you better start looking at those universities the way they are repressing free speech. Why are you going to contribute to endowments? Columbia University, $10 billion. NYU, $4 billion. They buy up private property in the neighborhoods. They come off the local property tax rolls that subsidize the hiring of police, firefighters, social workers, uh, educators. They make out incredibly, and they want more and more of your money. But then when you interfere and you say, hey, yeah, I don't like what's going on on the campus, all this repression. That didn't occur when I graduated, you know, class of 1969 in the middle of the Vietnam War where we were hearing from both sides on campus. Is this the time to speak up? Apparently some of these universities and colleges, they only respect one thing, in God we trust. And if you don't send in your money, then all of a sudden you get their attention real quick. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Let's go right to the phones. It's Jeff from Queens. Uh, your turn to be heard on the Greg Kelly Show, Jeff. How you doing, Curtis? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had better days. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm a Columbia alum, okay, and I do interviews for the university. I used to do interviews for the university. And um, the one thing they always stressed to us was uh, explain if you think this person would fit in well to the courses of contemporary civilization where where you learn about, you know, philosophy and, and, and Western civilization. And they also had Eastern civilization. And the whole notion of all this is that, you can understand humanity. The whole purpose of a liberal arts degree is to get humanities, to understand how you can serve the world. These people, these universities should shut down. I mean, if they don't know right from wrong, you have people supporting Hamas. We're not talking about a bunch of, like, rednecks, you know, with their, uh, you know, the, some Klansmen or something. These are going to be the people that run the State Department. These are going to be the people that are going to be our judges. These are going to be people, these are the, this is the future and they, they don't, they, they support murderers. I mean, it's one thing to support the Palestinians, but to support Hamas? I mean, this, the, the whole well, situation well, is... Well, it, it, Jeff, as you know, it's become the flavor of the day, cool, hip. Their liberational fight is Hamas. Well, they hate gays and lesbians and transgenders. 
and you're not permitted to have a different point of view or it's chop-chop off with your head, and they're supporting that nonsense. Let's go to Cynthia calling from Uniondale. Your turn to be heard here on The Greg Kelly Show, Cynthia. Hi there, darling. I love everything you do, and you should have been our mayor, damn it. But anyway, what I'm calling for today is I don't agree at all what Hamas did. What they did was outrageous. But how did they get in there? That's one question. The second question is, the Palestinians have been suffering under occupation for 75 years. They've been poisoning pregnant women. They kill children. They maim them. They do all the stuff to the Israelis, to these children, the Zionists, Jews, whatever they are. And it's okay. But because they finally made this stupid group came out of the woodwork and decided to go and do some uh, damage, which was horrid. I mean, no doubt. But what they've been doing to the Palestinian people, I'm a Palestinian American. My mother came here in 1948. Um, it's just atrocious. I mean, I'm not so well, proud of them. Well, let's, let, let's, let's trace it back, Cynthia. There was a moment Bill Clinton was president. He was on the cusp of winning a Nobel Peace Prize, very similar to what Jimmy Carter was doing at the Camp David Accords with, uh, at that time, Anwar Sadat leader of Egypt, and Menachem Begin, warriors. They were not peaceniks. Both of them won the Nobel Peace Prize because they made a peace that's lasted to this day between Egypt and Israel, and eventually Jimmy Carter won one. Clinton was sure he had just won one. He had Bibi Netanyahu, who was prime minister back then, with Yasser Arafat, and they were going to finally sign the accord for a two-state solution. And then at the last second, Yasser Arafat withdrew his approval because he said there had to be the right of return. Every Palestinian, wherever they may have ended up, anywhere in the world, throughout the Middle East, the Persian Gulf, even if they came to America along Atlantic Avenue or Fifth Avenue in Bay Ridge, if they wanted to return, they had the right to be citizens and to vote and be in that state of Israel. And that was the deal breaker. Who has the right of return anywhere in the world? It could have been resolved at that moment. Yasser Arafat broke the deal. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. As we've been focused on the invasion by the ruling government in Gaza, Hamas, the largest terrorist organization there on Saturday, October 7th, and now the invasion by the uh, Israeli Defense Forces of Gaza in retaliation. There's a bigger invasion that I'm concerned with, and that is the invasion that goes on every day into our country, the USA, mostly from the southern border, but some of it through the northern border. Well, let's focus on the southern border. President of the United States has declared himself, Joe Biden, to be the Papa Chulo for all illegal aliens. He said in the debate with then-President Donald Trump, I get elected president, you'll be able to come into America unfettered. And boy, ever since he was sworn into office, it's been an open sieve. It is just nonstop. Doesn't matter who you are, there's no vetting taking place at all. There's no check of background checks, no determination if you're a sex trafficker, a narco terrorist, a gangbanger, a drug dealer, or what we need to be most concerned about, 
an active member of a terrorist group intent on hitting us again for a third time. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, uh, could be uh, any number of various groups who have all kinds of names who are sworn to do two things in their life as a jihadist. Death to America, the big Satan, and ensure death to the little Satan Israel. That that That's a guarantee of all those terrorist organizations. But they want to hit the big Satan, and they want to hit us right here in New York. And I am the leader of the rebel effort to prevent that from happening, as we have repelled now the illegal alien invasion into New York City in eight different locations. Migrant centers that have been set up by Eric Adams, I call him the swagger man with no plan. He is the mayor of the illegal aliens because he has prioritized their treatment to the detriment of American citizens. For instance, he puts them up in no-tell motels, Holiday Inn Expresses. All throughout Times Square, all throughout the gateway to the world, these hotels are occupied at taxpayers' expense by illegal aliens, $400 a head per night. Culturally appropriate food, iPhones, cell phones, you name it, health insurance, whatever you want, you get it at taxpayers' uh, expense. They're on motor scooters. They're on uh, Vespas. They're driving up and down sidewalks and streets, no license, no registration. They're untouchables because they claim to be asylum seekers. A good 95% of them are not here for asylum. They're here to make money like anybody else who'd want to come to America. But they use this as an opportunity to come across the border. And we're paying for them, New York City residents. We're paying for them lock, stock, and barrel. The mayor just the other month said, this will destroy the city. Well, what the hell are you doing about it? He's just putting up more tents now, more tents today. They're officially opening up Floyd Bennett Field, which is in Brooklyn, but it is also the gateway to the Rockaways in Queens. Floyd Bennett Field probably is best known as New York City's first municipal airport when it was opened up in 1931. Oh, it's it's filled with historical importance, and it's part of the Gateway National Project. It is a federal preserve, a federal park. It's in a flood zone. It's the 11th anniversary this week of Superstorm Sandy. It wiped us here in the northeast sector, all along the Jersey Shore, all along the South Shore, Long Island, and all along the shore of Brooklyn and Queens. But the mayor, he's just pushing ahead. They put up four huge tents on what they call Runway 19, which now serves as an emergency landing spot should a plane not be able to make any of the nearby airports, LaGuardia, which is like a third-world airport, JFK, another third-world airport, Newark Airport. So if it's a 747 or a C-4 transport, it could land on runway 19. No more. All tents. And they hooked it up so that if given the opportunity, uh, there will eventually be 7,500 single able-bodied men Illegal aliens of military age with nowhere to go, nothing to do, living in these tents. Right now, they've promised they're just bringing in the women and children. And what's going to happen is legal aid and their attorneys are going to go to court and they're going to point to aspects of the law that forbids the housing of women and children in a tent. Everybody knows this. They're going to win. 
And then Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, is going to put his hands in the air like he just doesn't care, which he doesn't. Because there's a lot of money to be made in contracts and kickbacks for all these politicians. Is He's going to say, see, I tried to bring in women and children. Now i got to bring in the single able-bodied men. They can house 7,500. It is an invasion. And I have led the rebels in many communities that helped close eight of these migrant centers. This is the biggest challenge yet. On a Thursday night, I led a town hall meeting in a place in Brooklyn, not far from where my colleague Sid Rosenberg, the morning show host at WABC, was born and raised, and hundreds of people turned out. And I said, look, let the politicians do what they do. They need to stay in their lane because I don't trust any of them, not Democrats or Republicans. Let the lawyers go into court and try to get temporary restraining orders. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose in court. But I am the leader of the rebels, and I am telling you, the Achilles heel here is the firefighting apparatus. You got tents in the middle of nowhere. The nearest Johnny Pump, boy, boy, did I date myself, Johnny Pump, nearest hydrant. It's like a mile away. They'd have to actually put hoses in Jamaica Bay in order to pump water to fight a fire, which, God forbid, we hope will never, ever happen. But these illegal aliens are going to start putting in hot plates. You know what they're going to do. They're going to be permitted to have these illegal Vespas and motorbikes that will not be registered, will not be licensed, and they're going to be using batteries that are already a fire hazard. That tent could go up in no time at all. So I'm working with fire marshals and fire wardens who will remain nameless. We're not going to give them up because the city and the state would fire them in a heartbeat and they would lose their livelihood and lose their pensions. But they're so angry at what Joe Biden is doing every day by keeping the border open. And Kathy Hochul, who is encouraging illegals to come in and obviously... The man best known for wearing $5,000 customized suits, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. So this past Thursday night, I swore I would do what I've done before and get arrested. This will be the 81st, 82nd, 83rd, 84th time uh, that I will get arrested because this one is the big one. This past Saturday, I was at Creedmoor, which is a state psychiatric facility in Eastern Queens, infamous It's been written about in annals of psychiatric care for years. Now houses in a tent, 1,000 single, able-bodied young men of military age with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I've been helping to prevent them from moving east right into Nassau County. Oh, and they're already there. So I got my hands full with all of these rallies and all of these rebel efforts. And then last night in the driving rain, in Staten Island, which has become the epicenter of the resistance, where we have fought the city on this issue and won time and time again in court and in the streets with the rebels outside of Midland Beach in a flood zone, wiped out 11 years ago to the day by Superstorm Sandy. They built a long-term senior citizen nursing home care center there for veterans' families from World War II and Korean War, and some of them were there in wheelchairs yesterday crying, crying that they were booted out. Imagine this. Our government, Joe Biden, Kathy Hochul, Eric Adams, booted out veterans' families to make way for illegal aliens. 
And those people in Midland Beach and Staten Island have been out there every day protesting, and they will continue that protest. And interestingly, who's reached out to me but residents in Chicago. You've seen it on TV. You've seen how outraged they are. You see, they're predominantly black in Chicago, and the residents who have resisted uh, in the New York City area have been predominantly white. Normally, let's face it, in Chicago, there are all Democrats. You can't even find a Republican. The only Republican in Chicago is a statue of Abraham Lincoln in Grant Park if it hadn't been torn down by Black Lives Matter, which is now big, large mansions, and Antifa in the summer of George Floyd in 2020. Last time I was in Grant Park, oh, by the way, he was a Republican too, right? I wonder if they tore his statue down. Anyway, I digress. So I want you to listen to the residents of Chicago that I have been a consigliere to. The administration there, the new socialist uh, mayor, his name Johnson, they went from lightfoot, lightweight, featherhead, whatever the hell her name is, I called her Beetlejuice. You thought she was the worst. This guy is even farther left and more open to bringing more illegal aliens in at Chicago taxpayers' expense, except there they have a provision in their charter do you have to have town hall meetings where the mayor and the older person have to sit it, sit there and take it? And these black folks have said, yo, Johnson, we elected you because you were black. You're stabbing us in the back. That's the simple solution is no. Turn the buses around. It's becoming a community of black people where we already get the low scraps. And then you want to take the little scraps, the resources that we have, and put us at the bottom of the barrel? That's not fair. You cannot keep bringing immigrants in. The city does not have the money. You cannot track them. You ain't tracking them good at the police station. You don't know their name, but you want to spread them all over the city. It is unsanitary, it's unsafe, and it's just not right. You know what brings us all together on this issue and stopping this invasion? We're all Americans. In Chicago, you couldn't get any of them to vote for a Republican. But the important thing here is, is they realize their community is being invaded. Our country is being invaded. I've got guardian angels in Chicago. They told me one time Johnson had to get up, the mayor, the socialist mayor, to go to the bathroom. And the black folks in that uh, hall said, where are you going? You ain't getting out of here. Hell no. You you sit your blankety blank, black blank, right there until we're finished. And I think he had an accident in his pants because all of a sudden all of his um, his commissioners were moving away from that table. And I don't think it was from the anger rightly being generated from the audience like this. How can you come into a community and dump people in our community like this? This is not fair. We are the residents of this community, and we demand that they do not put these people here. They're not even following the rules in the police station. What makes us think that they're going to follow the rules here? Ma'am, you're damn right. It's us and we, not the I and me. We've got to come together and stop this invasion. It's going to hurt us all. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent. I'm the leader of the rebels of this effort. I've been locked up over and over. I'll go to jail again. And I'm going to continue to organize these efforts all over the United States because this is to save our 
country. There is no such thing as a sanctuary city in law, a sanctuary state. This is to save America from an invasion. That's going to end up haunting us when we get hit by terrorists again because of it. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. To the phones we go. It's Sandra calling from New Jersey. Uh, welcome. Your turn to be heard on the Greg Kelly Show, Sandra. Thank you, Curtis. First of all, I have a, a question for you, a very important one, and a comment for us to make. I wanted to say that Sid Rosenberg, he is touching my heart all the time. He speaks after the Jewish people, very brave, he's loyal, and I wish he becomes a spokesman for the Jewish people. So that's my comment, and he's great. And you are so great, too. You're out there every day, and you see what's going on. And I have a question for you, and I think you would answer it the best. Megan Kelly and friends of mine agree. Well, they she says that, for instance, the, the students in Cooper Union, you know, at the in the library, I feel they should have stayed in there to be safe. But Megan Kelly and friends feel they should go out and be brave and 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 face these people. So, whoa, 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 Sandra! You know, no disrespect to Megan Kelly, but she doesn't strike me as uh, being a street-fighting woman. There was a mob outside that door, and I, I saw in video the look on these Jewish kids' faces. They were not ready to deal with that mob. They were safe and secure in that library. That mob was banging on the door, let us in, let us in. And it was, again, not to have hamantashen and a cup of coffee and discuss your differences. I remember as a kid watching this off campus, a place called Brooklyn College in the 60s, Jewish students were getting attacked by black students, by white ethnic students, non-Jewish students, for a variety of reasons. They were taking advantage of the Jews. And all of a sudden, they decided to form a chapter of the JDL, Jewish Defense League. And the battle cry was, every Jew a 22. And they toughened up real quick. And... What what Jews have to understand, I went to Concordia University years ago. I was brought in as a speaker to speak to the Jews as a righteous Gentile who had defended the Lubavitcher Jews when they were under attack in the pogrom of 1991 of August. 30 days, 30 nights, I had the guardian angels there, most of whom are not Jewish, to protect them from those who were being led by Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Oh, yeah, a guy named Sonny Carson. And somebody named Eric Adams at that time was a police officer who was a supporter of Screwy Louis Farrakhan. You know he wasn't on the side of the Lubavitch and the Jews. 30 days, 30 nights. So they bring me up to Concordia, and I'm speaking to the Jews how they can defend themselves because they were under attack by those that were sympathetic to the Palestinians. And the Palestinian students came in, and we, we had it all out verbally. No fights. Everybody had a chance to speak freely, and that's the way it should really be. But you got to protect people when they're being attacked. And Megan Kelly's advice, look, she can give advice on a lot of issues. If you're in a fight in the streets, who are you going to listen to? Curtis Lewa, who's been shot, stabbed, had his jaw broken by Antifa in the summer of George Floyd, has given beatdowns and taken beatdowns. 
Or the lovely Megan Kelly. <laughs> no, I think you're listening to her. Hey, JDL, every Jew at 22. If you're going to be soft and weak and nebbishy, they're going to roll you. You're going to turn you into speed bumps, your enemies. That's the history. The history. Going back over centuries when Jews do not fight back. In Israel, when you go to Israel, you see a total different mentality. Whether it's from Ashkenazi Jews who came from Europe, whether it's the Sephardic Jews who were there from the Middle East, the Persian Gulf, even from Yemen, who escaped from Yemen, and even the black Jews who were brought in from Ethiopia. That's a tough, those are tough Jews. Surrounded by enemies, no matter where you look in Israel, the size of New Jersey. And this time they got caught sleeping like we did in the attack of 9-11. And they've decided, no, we're going to have unity. We're going to take it to our enemies. Listen to the song they sing when they walk through the streets of New York City that has more Jews in its population than any city outside of Israel itself. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's the Jordan River. When I saw it in Israel, I was disappointed, right? I said, hey, this is where Jesus was baptized by St. John the Baptist. It's a little trickle of water now. But that's what they mean. No Israel. It would be renamed Palestine. And when you, you question these young people, many of whom are just lip-syncing it, repeating it, with their very hip-happening kafiyah and shmanta on their head, and, you know, they're like, oh, wow, fashionistas, many of them self-hating Jews, Jews for Palestine, Jews for justice, Jews for Hamas. And you ask them, well, where do the Jews go? Are they going to be able to live in Palestine? Or are you going to push them into the sea? Or do they have to sort of get to uh, Ben-Gurion Airport and catch the last flight to Boca Raton, the last haven for Jews, right, in Florida? Oh, you got to fight for what you know is right. Jews are the minority. They've always been turned into speed bumps historically by wave after wave of people who want to blame Jews for every problem that goes on in society. Hamas is the enemy. B.B. said it best, and I've been in disagreement with B.B. on a lot of issues of late, but he said it best. This war is against Hamas. This war is against their sponsor, Iran, because they want to eliminate all of Western society. If they were to prevail, every woman would have to wear a veil, a chedora. Gays and lesbians could not exist freely, nor transgenders. It would be off with their head. Western civilization would fail to exist with those that they would oppress. And yet you got young students running around saying, Long live Hamas? What, are they crazy? Yes.